for the reading of the word. I hope you have your comfortable shoes on. Amen. Some of y'all jumped up. I like that. Look at these preachers on the front row. This is looking good. Amen. Last Sunday of the year, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. I want to give you time to find that. If you, if you grabbed a sermon note card on the way in, praise God. If you don't, you can go to our Version Bible app. Click on more at the bottom right. It'll pull up live events. Click on Greater Bethlehem and you will have the digital notes to be downloaded to your device. All right. Luke chapter 2. Now, we're going to read verses 21 all the way through verse 40. Amen. So make sure you keep, you flex your knees. Amen. It's a long reading, but I love long readings in the house of the Lord. Those that have found it say word. Those still looking say wait. All right, I think we, all, we have consensus here. Beginning at verse 21 of Luke chapter 2, here is the word of the Lord. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus. Written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 80 years. For years, she did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Wow. And the people of God say amen. I want to put a tag on this text and preach from the subject of the last sermon in 2019. Here it is. He came as king. Oh, God, that's a strong text right there, y'all. He came as 
king. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we, we bless you, we honor you, we glorify you for the gift of Jesus. And Father, as we continue in this Christmas time season, may we be mindful of what Jesus did for us. May, may we be mindful of how he, he released his royalty in heaven and entered earth, his creation, so that he can redeem and reconcile us to the Father. Father, we understand that there needed to be a perfect sacrifice, and only Jesus Christ could do it. So, Father, right now, we, we bless your name. Father, we understand that, that this season uh, is filled with mixed emotions. Father, many of us have, have lost loved ones. Many of us at this very moment are finding it, finding it hard to press through even to the end of 2019. But Father, may we be reminded, may we be encouraged, may we be revived to know that our conquering King, Jesus Christ, has come to save us. So Father, we bless his name and we submit this prayer to you in his name the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the people of God said amen. amen. All right, come on in, y'all. Let those worshipers come on in. Praise God. Come on, come on, come on. He came as king. Give me a little more on these monitors. He came as king. He came. Well, this is looking good on today. Praise the Lord for y'all being here on today. Looking good. Looking good. I see Brother Bryce in the, in the house. Our HBO writer is in the house. Amen. Raise your hand. We've been praying for you. Give God some praise for that young brother there. I thought that was him. Amen. I'm getting your autograph after church. Amen. I know. I know. He don't like no attention. I know. I'm sorry. But we're grateful. We're grateful for you. Come on in, y'all. Come on in. He came. And there's plenty of seats in here. Y'all come down to the front. Y'all can have my seat. Come on. Amen. 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 Come on in, y'all. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Come on in. Our, our big idea for today, our message moment, uh, which sort of captures the essence of what we're talking about, and we do this just so when you leave church, you'll have a clear understanding at least what the pastor's objective was. Amen. And we leave that up to the Spirit uh, to fulfill what he has placed on the pastor's heart, but the message moment for today says this, Jesus came as a child, yet he was already the king that the world had long awaited. Jesus came as a child, yet he was already king. Y'all remember Simba, don't you? The son of Mufasa and Sarabi, the rulers of Pride Rock. Well, as a young cub, Simba had dreams and hopes and aspirations of being king, of being the Lion King. So much so that Simba coined this song, I just can't wait to be king. Y'all with me so far, aren't you? Now, his motivations were multiple, but the bottom line was this. He knew that 
despite his desire, despite his longing, despite what he was called to be, that he was not yet king. Regardless of how bad he wanted it, regardless of how many songs he sang, Simba knew that as long as his daddy Mufasa was on the scene, he was not king. And yet, beloved, this is another reason I love our Messiah King, Jesus the Christ. See, although he came as a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, no room in the inn, born in a manger, Jesus didn't have to wait to be king. He came as king. Uh, the prophets of old called him Emmanuel, God with us. They called him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus, help me priestess, look at your neighbor and say he came as king. In fact, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. When he writes about the humility of the life of Jesus Christ, both his birth and his death, he says this. Though there were auspicious signs that preceded and accompanied his birth, preparing the world for the majestic and the kingly, the birth of Jesus itself was of the humblest of peasant parentage. In an unimportant town and in the roughest of buildings, he made a career of rejecting marks of status and of privilege. Watch this. He loved the lepers. He washed the feet of his disciples. He befriended little children. He encouraged women to join in his entourage. And finally, he submitted to a crucifixion by a foreign power. See, Jesus came as king in all of his humility and regalia, and then he served as our king. And I'm here to let you know there's a reason for us to shout on today. See, we don't have to wait for Jesus to come into who he already is. He simply transformed and transferred from heaven to earth. Oh, somebody say he came as king. So that helps me to testify on this beautiful last Sunday of 2019 that my Savior, Jesus Christ, is already king. So the way, the way Jesus came, marks, and, and helps to identify him as our Messiah. And y'all, it helps us to celebrate this season even more wonderfully and with deeper meaning. See, when we're in this season called Christmas time, we are reflective of all that took place to put Jesus where he was. See, when you add up the facts, about everything that the Father did in his sovereignty, in his providence, it is a supernatural move of God. It, it is providential. It is powerful. So Jesus, the Christ, in your handout says he has been born. Many have come to testify to his arrival. Shepherds, wise men, all of those involved. Now Mary and Joseph must adhere to the rituals of new birth that's found in Leviticus chapter 12. Look at verses, look at verse 21 through 24. The first thing we see is the presentation. I want you to get that down. Somebody say the presentation. Come on, help me preach to say the presentation. 
Verse 1 says, when the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Stop right there. See, we, we have a couple of things taking place in the text. You have seasons of purification and you have seasons of circumcision. And so when this newborn boy was born, they had to take their time and follow the adherence to the law, every line, every jot, every tittle. Why? Because it is their responsibility as parents, as seeds of Israel, to do things according to the law. Leviticus chapter 12, if you will, look at verse 1. If you can flip your Bible back to the Old Testament, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites when a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a male child, she will be unclean seven days. Somebody say seven days. As she is during the days of her menstrual impurity, the flesh of his foreskin must be circumcised on the eighth day. Somebody say eighth day. She will continue in the purification from her bleeding for 33 days. She must not touch any holy thing or go into the sanctuary until completing her days of purification. When her days of purification are complete, whether for a son or a daughter, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year-old male lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a seed offering. Let's stop right there. So at, they are following the rules of the law as written by Moses. And so Luke is including these ritual uh, examples because he is writing to a group of non-Jewish readers. Y'all, he's writing to us. And so we fully, uh, we don't fully understand as non-Jewish people what exactly Joseph and Mary were doing. So he breaks it all down. See, these rituals, these laws had to be kept. So the first thing they did is, get ready to write, they circumcised him. Oh, God, they, they, they circumcised him. Some of y'all have had sons, and you've had those sons circumcised. It is the, the peeling of the foreskin. It, it is, it is a, a purification ritual that identifies him as your son. Somebody say circumcised. And so the Lord Jesus was circumcised. They took care of that, but then the second thing they did is not only circumcised him, they named him. Oh, I like that by myself. And see, what I like about the Jewish culture is they don't just name the baby in the womb. Oh, they wait to look at the baby. They get to know the baby. Then they name the baby. Oh, I need a witness up in here. So you got to get to know somebody before you name them. Ah, that's just, that's just a cultural distinctive. So they circumcised him. They named him. But then here's the third thing they did. They presented him. Ah, they presented him. In dedication, it, it was a dedicatory moment. It, it was like uh, Mufasa holding up Simba at the beginning of the Lion King. They, they presented him to the priest. But that's not all. After they circumcised and named and presented him, then the ultimate thing they did is they sacrificed for him. Oh, I like that by myself. They sacrificed. For him Now, in Leviticus chapter 12, it helps me to understand something. If, if you are a parent and, and you bring your child to be presented, you're supposed to give them this, this wonderful lamb. But if you can't afford it, you present some turtle doves. 
If you can't afford it. If, if, if your money ain't right, you, 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 we, we have a backup plan for y'all. And, and that would be turtle, turtle doves. And so this helps us to understand the context, the humility with which Jesus was born into. Jesus had poor parents. Oh, God, I like that by myself. See, it, 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 ain't, it, it, ain't, it ain't how you start, it's how you finish. Oh, God, but, but I need for you to know something. Notice something that is very important. This, uh, these, these sacrifices were done out of ritual purification, not as a result of sinfulness. I need you to catch it. That's important to note because Jesus is perfection. Oh, God. And, and so his conception with the aid of the Holy Spirit leaves no room for sin. Y'all, he's the perfect lamb. Oh, God, he's the perfect lamb. He's the perfect sacrifice. He is God with us. Uh, so they circumcised him. They named him. They presented him, and then they sacrificed for him. Yeah, yeah, Joseph and Mary sacrificed for Jesus. But that's not how the story ends. Because one day Jesus would sacrifice for them and for us. One day he would stand as the Lamb of God slain for the sins of men. One day he would be high and lifted up. Somebody say one day. Ah, but, 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 but why? Why? Again, all the rituals, Pastor Brown. Why all the adherence to the law? Because Jesus was born under the law. Y'all, this was yet another providential marker that had to be met. Uh, the Messiah had to be born under the law. So Galatians chapter 4, if you can work your scriptures, just listen to me read it to you. Galatians 4 and 4 says this. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, here it is, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So all that the Lord Jesus had to undergo as a baby is simply an additional marker that he is, in fact, the long-awaited Messiah King. And even in Jesus' own words, he did not come to abolish the law, but Jesus came to fulfill the law. Oh, I like that by myself. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 says, Don't think that I came to abolish the law, says Jesus, or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. So Joseph and Mary, they didn't just follow the law. They fulfilled the law. They were being obedient to and abiding by the law. While they knew that this child was supernatural, there were some other things they didn't quite understand about his life. So we've transitioned now from the presentation to secondly, the prophecy. Oh, help me preach this. Somebody say the prophecy. Come on, look at your neighbor and say the prophecy. Verses 25 begin with this. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward, there it is, to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. 
it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. Stop right there. Y'all, we see this brother Simeon. What did it say about Simeon? It said he was righteous and devout. Righteous means he was in right standing with the Lord. Devout means he, he kept himself away uh, from the trivial trappings of the world. Simeon, he, 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 was a, he, was a, he was a priest and a prophet who kept himself separated from, from the depravity of the world. See, what I like about Simeon is we discover what, what a real man of God ought to look like. This, this is for me, y'all. Look at what it says. First of all, Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. Get that down, somebody. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the text says uh, 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 the Holy Spirit was on him. Oh, I like that right there. The Holy Spirit was on Simeon. And what's so powerful is... Simeon having this filling of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was on him. He was then in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, help me preach this up in here. It says the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him. Y'all, that's fellowship. You don't know what to do until the Holy Spirit tells you. Oh, God. And so Simeon, he... He has this intimacy with the Lord. He's righteous. He's devout. Why? Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But then thirdly, he followed the Holy Spirit. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that, that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Look at verse 27. Guided by the Holy Spirit, he followed the unction, the leading, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so the text continues is when the parents brought in this child to perform for him what was customary under the law, something miraculous happens. Y'all, this was an ordinary moment converted to a supernatural experience. Oh, God, this was, this was, this was a ritual. This was... This was ordinary when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary. See, this is what I like about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will take what is customary and make it supernatural. The Holy Spirit will take something that's ordinary and simply breathe on it and make it supernatural. Have you ever experienced something customary? being translated and transferred into something supernatural. Well, maybe I'm by myself, but every now and then I experience a move of God that is uncommon. See, Joseph and Mary knew who Jesus was. And we discover that Simeon also knew who he was because Simeon was on assignment. First of all, what, what was that assignment? It's right there in your text. He would not see death until he saw the Messiah. Yeah, that's a strong statement right there. So every day of Simeon's life, he carried out his priestly tasks, tasks looking forward to Israel's consolation. Simeon was consoled by the consoling Holy Spirit that one day the consoler would come. 
Oh, I feel that by myself. See, Simeon knew that based upon the leading of the Holy Spirit that the child was coming. Some of y'all kind of sleep on me this morning, but that's all right. Because, see, if you need an ocular demonstration of faith, then Simeon is your man. Simeon didn't know how, but he knew who. Simeon didn't know when, but he knew who. See, I wish more of y'all had that kind of faith. See, when the Holy Ghost has a hold of you, then you make room for the Holy Ghost's will in your life. See, when the Holy Ghost is in communion with you, then you know what the Holy Ghost is trying to do. See, when the Holy Spirit says, wait, you wait. I'm feeling this by myself. When the Holy Spirit says, go, you go. When the Holy Spirit says, serve, you serve. When the Holy Spirit says, surrender, you surrender. When the Holy Spirit says, forgive, you forgive. Here is somebody else. And when the Holy Spirit says, shut up. Oh, the songwriter helped me with this. The songwriter says, it was early one morning, just about the break of day. When Jesus, he touched me and washed all of my sins away. I started running. I ain't got no help up in here, but I preached to myself. I started shouting. I didn't have no time to doubt. You know that? I got nothing but the Holy Ghost. Woo! Isn't there something when the Holy Ghost get a hold of you? When the Holy Ghost begins to, oh God, when he, when he serves some stuff in your heart, when you just find yourself doing your menial task, your, your customary task, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will breathe on you. Yo, you could be vacuuming in your house. You, you could be washing your car. You, you can be driving your kids to school, but then he'll remind you of his goodness. He'll remind you of his power. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. Church folk don't like the Holy Ghost. Oh, but children of God love the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost will come in and change your whole program. Is there anybody in the house that can testify? I was going about life my own way, but then the Holy Ghost, woo! Look at your neighbor and say the Holy Ghost. They didn't, they didn't like look at your other neighbor and say the Holy Ghost. Moving. Moving. The text says Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, now. Nah. Now, woo, now, he is affirming that he came as king, now. Now, unfortunately, Simeon had to give them both some good news and some bad news. He says in the text, now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace. As you promised, 
For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. And glory to your people, Israel. Mm. Here's the good news. Salvation has come. Get that down, somebody. Salvation, salvation has come. Salvation has come. And what Simeon is communicating is this. He said, now my purpose has been fulfilled. Now, nowhere in this gospel record do they give Simeon's age. Some would assume he was old, but we don't know that for sure. It really doesn't matter what his age is. Because, see, your purpose is not attached to your age. Your purpose is attached to what the Spirit has communicated will be your purpose. Now, once that has been fulfilled, the Lord can take you on home. I ain't got no help up in here. See, this, this, this is the difference between church folk and children of God. Children of God are not afraid of death. Because we understand that this is not as good as it gets. And Simeon can testify in this text, I can go home now. I've seen the salvation of the Lord. My purpose has been fulfilled. I've seen it. I, I, I understand this, this beautiful uh, uh, image is happening in the text. Every time we see a picture of baby Jesus, he has a halo on him. He looks all glowy, but I assure you there was no halo hovering over him when his parents brought him to the priest for the ritual. So, Pastor, how did Simeon know that he was, in fact, the Messiah? How did he know that this was the king? Y'all ready for it? The Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo! Y'all, there's some stuff that you just ain't going to know in your own intellect. Let me try this out. There's some stuff that you just ain't going to know by reading in a book other than Scripture. But there are some things that the Holy Spirit will reveal, watch this, that are in alignment with Scripture that you can testify this is truth. So Jesus didn't have a halo. It was, he wasn't glowing in the dark. From appearances, he was an ordinary baby boy. But something on the inside of Simeon. So he said, I've seen your salvation, the Messiah. And he's going to be a light to Gentiles. And he's going to bring glory to Israel. Y'all, why his very name of Jesus. It communicates the fact that Yahweh is salvation. So that's the good news. And notice Luke again. He is not writing to a Jewish audience. He is writing to us to let us know that the Lord Jesus had made provision for us to be adopted into the family of God. The text goes on to say his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then, then, then. And then Simeon blessed them 
and told his mother, Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Somebody say good news. Salvation has come. But then Simeon also gave them some bad news. The Savior must suffer. Get that down, y'all. Savior must suffer. Jesus' coming meant salvation for some, but condemnation for others. His, his birth means his death. He was born to die. And as a consequence of Jesus fulfilling his purpose on earth, that meant special torment for Mary. He says, a sword will pierce your own soul. You talk about a difficult baby dedication. I have conceived this baby without the aid of human agents. I know that what is in me is supernatural. I follow the rituals to the letter. I, we get him circumcised. We get him named. Listen, we, we do everything. We offer a sacrifice, and you come to tell me that my heart is going to be pierced. Indeed, Mary, you're going to suffer. So in order to make things right, this, this king that has come, this Messiah who is the Christ, he will have to suffer. That's why scripture calls him the suffering servant. Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel to be a sign that will be opposed. They were going to come against him. They were going to grab him. They, they were going to kill him. And that's a word for somebody under the sound of my voice. Timothy Keller helps me with this. He said, Jesus cannot simply be liked. Jesus cannot simply be your homeboy. Timothy Keller says this, you either kill him or crown him in your life. Y'all help me teach this. He said, either you're going to kill him or you going to crown him. There is no middle ground. So let me help you by finishing Timothy Keller's statement. If you ain't crowning him, you killing him. 
Oh, I feel that by myself. We, we got this play patty cake relationship with Jesus, and it ain't real. It ain't authentic. It ain't God-honoring. It ain't biblical. Because if he ain't the Lord over your life, if he ain't ruling, redeeming in your life, you're killing him. And so that's, that's why he came. That's the bad news. The Savior must suffer. What have we said thus far? We've had the presentation. We've had the prophecy from Simeon. Good news, bad news. And we're finished. Lastly, we have the testimony. We have the testimony. So while all this is taking place, you got the baby being dedicated. You got, you got the circumcision. You got, you got the naming. Uh, what's that other thing you got? You got the presentation. Then you have the, the sacrifice being made. And then he comes and gives the good news and the bad news. And he, he breaks Mary's heart. And the text says, verse 36, there was also a prophetess. Anna, daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. Y'all, Anna was old. She did not leave the temple. Oh, I'm going to sip on that. Y'all missed that. Mmm. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. Verse 38, at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Y'all, Anna comes with this testimony at that very moment. Now, before we go too fast, let's talk about Anna. Let's talk about Anna. Anna, according to the text, is both faithful and prayerful. Mm, God. See, we talked about Simeon. That's, that's the man of God we ought to shoot for. Remember, he was, he was, he was righteous. Uh, he, was, he was devout. But then this Anna, oh, God. text says she was spending every day Oh, in the temple. She was prayerful. She was faithful. See, when you are faithful, you, le you learn how to watch God work in your life. When you are faithful, you understand the value, watch this, of corporate gatherings. Now, don't get mad at me. I ain't telling you to come up here every day. Please don't. Please don't. Don't do that. No, that, that's, that, that, would be, that would be wrong. Don't do that. What I like about Anna is her faithfulness. There is something that, that speaks to commitment, that demonstrates when I am committed, Stephen Brown, I show up. Citizens of Austria didn't know what to do. Napoleon's massive army was preparing to attack their small village. Soldiers had been spotted on the heights above this little town, which was situated on the Austrian border. A council of citizens was, was hastily summoned to decide whether they would try and fight and defend themselves or simply display the white flag of surrender. It happened to be Easter 
Sunday morning. And they gathered at their local church. While gathering in this council, the pastor stood up and said, Friends, we've been counting on our own strength, and that has failed us. As this is the day of the Lord's resurrection, let us just ring the church bells. Let us have our church service as usual and leave the matter in God's hands. We know only our weaknesses, but not the power of God to defend us. So watch this. They got Napoleon's army stationed at the top of the hill. They go ahead and start ringing the bell and start having their church services. And all Napoleon's army can hear is bells and praise. Oh, I need a witness up in here. And Napoleon's army got so confused, they thought the Austrian army had come in overnight. And Napoleon's army retreated. Pastor Mark, what are you trying to say? If we could get the church folk to be committed and consistent, to be faithful and prayerful, to make, y'all ain't going to help me preach this, to make your way to church on a regular basis. When we begin to ring the bells, when we begin to offer praise, something will happen. I, I got to finish this. I got to finish this. I got to finish this. So Pastor Brown, Pastor Brown, well, what, what, is her, what is her testimony? What is her, what is her testimony? What is her testimony? Uh, uh, she comes in and, and, and Anna, she, she gives her testimony. Uh, uh, first thing Anna does is she thanks God for him. See, this is where you start your testimony. This is where you start your praise. You begin with thanksgiving. I, 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 I know you want to begin asking for some more stuff, but, but you begin by Thanking God for him. Look, 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 look at what Anna said. I'm writing the text. Say with me. Say with me on that one. I like that. She, she, she says, watch this. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God. She began to thank God. She, she began to thank God. She began to thank God. See, my concern, church, is we don't thank him enough. We don't thank him for the simple stuff. We don't thank him for the un, un, unseen stuff. We don't thank him for the little blessings that he provides. Day in and day out, he gets you through sickness, but you don't thank him. He brings your wayward child home, but you don't thank him. He gets you a new job better than one you had, but you don't thank him. And every now and then, I'm here to testify that you got to open up your mouth and tell God, thank you. Lord, I thank you for opening up my eyes. Lord, I thank you for clearing up my mind. Lord, I thank you for keeping me in my right mind because I've learned that where the praises of the people are, there God sends his presence. The Bible don't say when praises go up, blessings come down. No, we don't say that. But it says God resides in the praise of his people. Can I get about 15 of y'all to tell God thank you? I thank you for my life. 
I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my health. I thank you for my church. Can you tell God? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But that's not all Anna does. The text says she thanks God for him. But then it also says she tells others about him. See, I'm here to let you know that when you thank God appropriately, he'll give you a story to tell your neighbor. Why don't you find three people in the house and tell him something good that God has done for you? Look him dead in the eye and said, he brought me through 2019. He prepared me for 2020. He paid all my bills. He saved my soul. He made me whole. Turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor how good God has been to you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I give you the glory. Some of y'all still ain't moving. Some of y'all looking confused. You're going to make me wonder whose team you on. Because when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul, my soul, my soul cries out, thank you. Thank you! Thank you! This could be your last chance. I'm not gonna leave you alone. This could be your last chance. Your house can catch on fire with you still in it. This could be your last chance. Look at your neighbor. Get him a high five and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey! He's been too good. He's been too good. He's been too good. Come on and bless him. Come on and bless him. I know it's been a hard year, but he's still been too good. Come on, thank him. Come on, bless him. Come on, praise him. Come on, lift up holy hands. Come on, open up your mouth. Tell God how good he's been. Thank him for saving you. Thank him for delivering you. Thank him for blessing you. 
Thank him for protecting your children. Thank him for protecting your grandchildren. Thank him. Praise him. Glorify him. came as king. And he's done so much. He's been so good. Everyone stand. I had a song to sing. I got no song. Come on. Heads about, eyes are closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much. Father, we join Prophetess Anna in thanking you for the gift of our King. Father, we understand that his birth also meant his death. But we rejoice in knowing that that's not how the story ends. We rejoice in knowing that on, in knowing that on the third day, you raised him up and conferred upon him all power, all dominion. So, Father, in this Christmas time, we focus upon the Christ. This Christmas time, we focus upon the King who has come, Emmanuel, God with us. And we glorify and bless you, Lord. Lord, we don't ask you for anything. But we thank you. As a matter of fact, Father, that's how we're going to finish 2019. We're going to leave 2019 with thanksgiving on our lips. And we're confident that that will please you and glorify you. Father, you like for your children to say thank you. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Father, we're, we're overwhelmed with gratitude. We thank you for the moment we share together. And we submit this prayer by faith in the name of Jesus.
Let everybody say amen. Come on, bless the Lord right there.